Yay, 100 episodes. <laughs> Woohoo! Yay, 100 episodes. Number 100. This podcast contains spoilers, but you shouldn't care. Welcome to Hey James, Watch This, a celebration of mediocrity. In this, and indeed every episode, Russ and Fry will try to convince their friend James why he should watch an absolutely unnecessary film. Hey James, Watch This. Hi everybody, welcome to Hey James, Watch This. I am James. I'm Russ. And I'm Fry. What do we have today, boys? Well, uh, we have Centipede Face. Now, we couldn't convince you to watch Spiderhead, so Centipede Face uh, is brought to you. No, no, I... That would have been really cool, though, if there was a movie called Centipede Face, and it I, was somehow... I do think we could have followed up with The Mothman if we really did want to try to keep to it. <laughs> seen it. I'm sure there's a Mothman movie you haven't seen. You would be surprised. We have you know uh, what? Mo- Fair enough. Mothman Prophecies with Richard Gere. Oh my goodness. We couldn't convince you to uh, watch old Spiderhead, and so this week we no. brought you what is actually a thriller, and this is a political oh. thriller, but, you know, in the same sense that Godzilla is a nature documentary. <laughs> Godzilla that has a lot actually... to say about how we interact with nature and how we should. That, that might actually work out better for you. I'm not sure political thrillers are my thing, so if it's not that, that might actually well, work out for you. this has the CIA in it. Okay. Or something that might very well be called the CIA if they only caused explosions. <laughs> yeah, you could literally backspace those three letters and put any three letters there and the movie works exactly the same. <laughs> we, we have never done, nor will we ever, because they're all, you know, they're just such fun. Uh, we've never done a Bond movie on mm. Hey James, Watch This. And so, bored of political thriller trivia... On this week's brand new untitled.txt score of zero to zero, Fry having won last week. Um, Congratulations, Fry. Thank you, thank you. All I'm, of I'm the just reveling in all my glory here. <laughs> <laughs> all of the trivia are James Bond trivia. All right. Which artist sang the song Skyfall? That was Adele. Adele is the correct answer. Mm. Now... Keeping in the spirit of that question, I have three points up for grabs. I am going to go back and forth between the two of you. You will tell me a singer that has sung the theme to another James Bond movie, and it can be any James Bond movie. So just James Bond singers. I will start with Fry, then I will go to James, and you each have three. You can't repeat. All right. Fry, a singer. The White Stripes? Okay, so here's the deal. I have to give Fry a point on that one because technically one half of the White Stripes did. Ah, ah that's what I was thinking of. Chris Cornell on uh, Casino Royale, the remake. James is 100% correct. <laughs> All right, another, another James Bond singer. I am not sure if this is true or if, my, if I am 
this is a fever dream I imagined at some point. Madonna? Madonna did. Yes, you are correct. Oh, okay. Excellent. Back to James. Well, the only one I knew is Chris Cornell, so it's time to make an awesome wild guess. I'm going to guess that at some point that Dean Martin at some point did it (laughs) because he did everything else. (laughs) I I know the answer. going for quantity. The answer is no on that one. Yeah, I thought maybe that would be the (laughs) I have exhausted as well all the ones I definitely knew or even kind of knew. So I am going to throw out a completely random guess, but let's say Lord. Oh, a good guess. No, she didn't. That is a good guess. I was just about to guess Tom Waits, and then I was like, no, Lord is actually plausible. Fry, if Tom Waits had done it, don't you think I would know about it? I would hope so, but you don't seem like you follow James Bond super closely. You might be surprised. All right, James, last one to you. Oh, did the Spice Girls or one of them ever do it? No. Okay. <laughs> you you could have chosen from the likes of Tom Jones, Nancy Sinatra, Louis Armstrong, Paul McCartney, Tom Carly Jones. Simon, Gladys Knight, mm. Tina Turner, Billie Eilish, uh, Cheryl Crow. Billie Eilish did one? Yep. You know, I didn't that's, know that. Yeah, I knew Billie, Billie Eilish did, but I confused her with Lord. I am sorry to both of you. If you are a bad person because I think she's a very talented singer. And I really like that song about the, the old one, the bad guy. That's a great song. <laughs> How does it go? I don't remember this. Oh, I can't sing. I'm, I don't mean I'm physically unable to. I mean I'm not allowed to. Well, just tell me the words. Uh, I'm a bad guy. And then there's a lot of do-do-do-do-do, like that kind of stuff. It's great. You should listen to it. Excellent. I got everything I wanted out of that. I'm the bad guy. Duh. <laughs> yeah, that, how does it go? Oh, cool. We just produced sound. <laughs> Who holds the record for the most romantic encounters in one Bond film? Well, James Bond. I'm sorry. Which actor holds the record for romantic encounters? Pierce Brosnan. No. Daniel Craig. Also, no. How did you ruin it that Sean Connery. It's got to be Connery. Now, you could have chosen. Well, I I can't let you. There's only so many. You only get one on that one. Come on. Okay. Yeah, no, it is. You could have said either Sean Connery or Roger Moore because they are tied at four. Oh, I would never say Roger Moore because I don't like him as Bond. Do you think they hate the fact that they wound up tied on that statistic? Sean Connery is, I think, petty enough to care. That seems reasonable, yeah. I would care. I'm petty enough to care. This this isn't a question, James, but I know a a trivia fact. Can you guess how Hmm. many times Roger Moore's Bond is uh, pictured running while Moore is playing it? Never? Zero. Roger Moore never yeah. ran as James Bond. Yeah. Huh. Very low very low action films in, in many ways. I Except like, for that car flip. That car flip was sweet. I like to imagine that was some kind of like old-timey health brag. Like, oh no, to keep my heart healthy, I never run. <laughs> it stresses the heart out, you know. And <laughs> I smoke a third, three times a day. Yeah, opens up a third pack of cigarettes. Like, yeah, yeah. let me tell you what. <laughs> These are endorsed by doctors. Yeah, three, three packs a day. Sorry, yeah, three packs a day. It's like that scene God. in Mad Men where Roger Sterling is clearly having a heart attack and throws up everywhere and everyone else is like, oh, I have indigestion too. <laughs> <laughs> well, this famous director was asked to direct Thunderball in 1965, but passed because he was editing North by Northwest. Isn't, wasn't that Hitchcock? That was Hitchcock. Oh, okay. Very nicely. I, I thought I knew it, but I was like, if I get this wrong... <laughs> 
My I, my mom's gonna yell at me. <laughs> I would love to give more iconic directors with their own look at their own approach to movies access to Bond. Like, I, I think we know what Tarantino would do pretty well. I don't necessarily. No, no, no. You, you're it. Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie is the one you want. I, I think I want some Guy Ritchie given access to Bond. I, I want a Pixar Bond. <laughs> uh, a Lego Movie Bond. What is is it? A24 that makes all those horror adaptations yeah. of things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want that for sure. I, there's so much you could do with the Bond IP. Just give it to everyone. Just give Wes Anderson directs Bond. Everything's How real would symmetrical. That be? No, that I, I I think that's a bad fit. <laughs> I would. Do you know how much money I would pay to see a Wes Anderson Bond? If someone oh, makes say, that Kickstarter, I will donate tonight. Oh, I didn't say I wouldn't watch. I'm not donating any Kickstarter, but I wouldn't. <laughs> I, I didn't say I wouldn't watch it. I just don't think it would be a Bond movie. <laughs> it would be something. Mm-hmm. Let's see. The role of the Howard Hughes-like Vegas recluse Willard White in Diamonds Are Forever was played by former country music hit maker... TV personality and breakfast sausage magnate, who? Jimmy Dean? Jimmy Dean is the correct answer. Oh my God. I guess which of those I know him from. <laughs> <laughs> the country singer, obviously. I love country music sung by sausage makers. Bond is often associated with the Aston Martin DB5, with its many gadgets like oil slicks, smoke screens, missiles, machine guns, and such like. Which Bond movie did it first appear in? You only live twice? Good guess, no. Hmm. I'm, I'm going to take a stab as well. This is totally random. Goldeneye? Ooh, no, it was much further back than that, but you were right on the first syllable. That is Goldfinger. Uh, yeah, no, that's what I was trying to say. Uh-huh. <laughs> Go back, check the tape. <laughs> I will. Oh, shit. Sting, David Bowie, and Mick Jagger were offered the part of baddie Max Zorin in A View to a Kill, which eventually went to this actor and a very blonde wig. Time to a kill? A view to a kill. A view to a kill. A time to view a kill. No, don't confuse me. Several views, um, several kills. Two view, two kill. Wait, that wasn't the one that that wasn't the one that Javier Bardem did such a good job in. Right? No, that's later. Okay, that's way later. Okay, I'm going to say, and I don't know the answer, but I'm going to say Max von Sydow because that would be great <laughs> you're not, in a blonde wig. You're not too horribly far off. Brian, you're going to take a stab at that one. I'm going to take a stab at this too, and this is kind of along James's idea of well, this person has done everything. Christopher Lee. My God, you are so close. It's Christopher Walken. Ah, wrong Christopher. All right. I like how that makes him close because they are very different people. (laughs) I I think they're brothers, aren't they? No. No. Okay. Can you tell me which actor portraying Bond consumed the most alcoholic drinks in one movie? Sean Connery. Gotta be Sean Connery. The correct answer is Daniel Craig. Really? shit. Wow. In Casino Royale, he drank 26. Damn. But they weren't really alcohol, though. I mean... I think he puts it in his contract that he doesn't drink fake alcohol. No, that's Sean Connery again. (laughs) I mean, I would have it in my contract. (laughs) This Bond movie clocks in as the longest. Skyfall felt really long. (laughs) 
Oh, I, die, was it Die Another Day? It was not. Hmm. I got nothing, so I'm just going to say uh, Goldeneye again. Well, that would be the most recent No Time to Die. Oh, I haven't uh, seen it. It was pretty long. It was pretty long. And your last question. This Bond villain actor was Ian Fleming's step-cousin. Step, but it's like step cousin. Yeah. Like they, they could be named anything. Anyone, literally anyone could have been Ian Fleming's step cousin. You're asking us to name the Bond villain you're thinking of. Well, the actor. Well, you're asking yeah. us to name the actor who played a Bond villain you're thinking of. <sighs> Fry, you doth protest too much because the correct answer was Christopher Lee. Oh, <laughs> oh, that may, yeah, I've heard you that somewhere. Are kidding yeah. me? Oh, I've heard that somewhere, yeah. <laughs> Talk about someone who's literally done everything. Cousins of of Ian Fleming. God, what a what a man. Where's his biopic? I know. I mean, yeah. It, like, yeah, no shit. We haven't built a camera large enough to contain his testicles within one frame. Is the problem? Yeah, I, I think it would have to be a mini series. I don't think he could fit all of his life into a single biopic. Well, I don't know what sort of energy fries. Oh, I should I, I should talk about the score, shouldn't I? That was uh, Fry <laughs> Four, uh, James Two. Starting off strong, all right. Starting off strong. Well, and we must discuss uh, what movie we meant we're going to force James to watch. Yes, my penalty for not knowing more about movies than Fry. Yeah, we've had some good ones we wanted to uh, consider. Yeah, you've had you've had a lot of ideas that made me go, "Oh, I don't want to watch that." <laughs> all right, let's do a thing here. I am going okay. to pull up our episode feed. And I am going to scroll through it really quick. Yeah, we can always I'm add it out. the same. And then Being nefarious. We're, we're going to count three, and then Fry and I are each going to say uh, the movie that we want to force you to watch. <laughs> I'm going to lean back and let you guys argue this out because I don't think it'll be the same one. One, two, three. Extraction. Detective Pikachu. <laughs> Detective Pikachu it is. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Uh, very well. Also, this is episode 100, isn't it? This is episode this is 100. Episode 100. Can you, Russ, can you put some fanfare in here? Yes. I think a hundred minutes of trumpet, trumpets playing and fanfare should work very good. That seems excessive. All right. Well, it's our hundredth episode. Well, I have to watch fucking Detective Pikachu. I am going to take extensive notes, and so you will have to listen to all my notes. Well, what do we have today, gentlemen? It's a political thriller. It's a 2022. Mm-hmm. It is the Gray Man. <laughs> oh, that's... A little unpleasant. All right, go ahead. Take it away, Fry. You remember how the movie Spiderhead did not involve the heads of any actual spiders? Or be a thriller at all. Yeah, I remember that. The Gray Man does not involve any gray men of any kind. 
I just well, it, there's no aliens. There's no, I just want to make sure that's clear right off the bat. I was very isn't disappointed. That, isn't that interesting? When you when you said gray men, you went to aliens, and I went to like some sort of undead or some sort of magical nonsense creature. That's interesting. Yeah, well, go ahead. Well, don't worry. This movie opens up with a very lengthy exposition as to just what the titular gray man is. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we just got to make sure you're, you're up to speed on everything. So, is it, is it like the Glimmer Man? Ooh, does this have Steven Seagal? Ooh, ooh. ooh. <laughs> no, it is a group of elite assassins within the CIA. Okay. Who were recruited from prison? Again, we've got the prison theme going on here. Mm-hmm. They were rec- recruited from prison, offered new identities and a, a total commutation of their sentence. In exchange for being hitmen for the CIA for forever. <laughs> and, it, and I guess if your choice is be in prison forever or work for the CIA forever, you know, I guess you know what you're going to choose. In prison, you get three squares a day and you know where you're sleeping that night. So I think it's up in the air. You know, there are pros and cons to both mm. choice. Don't get me wrong. Mm. We're going to focus mostly on the cons in this movie. <laughs> so the... Main character we are following, one of the gray men, mm. uh, is Sierra Six. Is his name? <laughs> we later that's not we, a name, but okay. We later learn is like is the name he was born as, but you know that identity's gone. That identity oh, killed is it, someone. Is it something? Is it something stupid? Like is it like Gerald? I don't even remember. It was not a Deep. long part of the movie. <laughs> this particular gentleman was born Ryan Gosling. Ah, okay. Yeah, just so you have a picture. Imagine exactly Ryan Gosling. Well, he's fallen quite far in the world, it seems. (laughs) He was the prettiest prisoner at that prison, to be sure. Mm. So he gets recruited into the CIA by Donald Fitzroy, played by Billy Bob Thornton. uh, Oh. Who you would, of course, imagine is the type of person to run the CIA. (laughs) Yeah, he does have that vibe. He kind of has that vibe going. Yeah. So... We get that done, and then we're going to skip forward like seven years. Sweet. And Sierra Six is on a mission in Bangkok. He has been tasked to bring in this person who has stolen some secret national security data. It's, it's, it's really, it's a big deal, and he was the one who was closest to it. And he's, this guy almost never comes out into the open, so we've got to get him this time. And so <laughs> a, apparently he's got some sort of meeting planned. And you know, if you're a wanted fugitive hunted by every arm of the U.S. government, you go to dance clubs in Bangkok, particularly crowded ones with glass floors for several for several layers up. You don't need to tell me how the fight ends because you just mentioned there's a da- the glass dance. Floor oh no, it doesn't level. end that way. The glass floor is never damaged in this movie. <laughs> what a waste! <laughs> Well, although I will give them credit for, for, you know. So you you would think that not destroying a glass dance floor is a waste. Well, worry not. They destroy everything else. Yeah, I think it's the last (laughs) piece of architecture they leave standing. (laughs) Well, I I, got to give them credit for uh, zigging when I thought they would zag. You have an appreciation for uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, uh, which I agree with you is the best spy movie ever made. Now, I want you to take all the nuance and all the subtlety (laughs) and all the spycraft and all the, you know, bringing these guys in alive and so they can, you know, be interrogated 
and just toss that coin because uh, it's it's yeah. it's coming up tails. I thought that might be the case. Yeah, thank you. There there are different kinds of spies. They work in different kinds of ways. Some of them try to pass silently, leave no trace. You don't even know if they've been there or not. And some of them are under orders to shoot through two floors of a glass dance club to kill one guy while definitely killing a hundred civilians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might almost not call them spies. At Very sneaky spies. So mm. he is on the radio with Langley throughout this mission. And they're like, yeah, go ahead and shoot the guy. I don't care how many fucking people in Bangkok die. This is America. And <laughs> I, I would just like to complain to the movie industry, not to you guys, but to the movie industry. Like, why? Look, I understand that some shady stuff happens in Bangkok, but it can't possibly be worse than any other major, major it is, city. It is no worse than any other major city, but that's not the point of this movie. Now, But, like, they always pick on this city, and I... Is it just because they think the name is funny? Like, tee-hee-hee, Bangkok, ha-ha-ha-ha. Like, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Grow up. You, yeah, that's the whole Movie thing. industry. <laughs> anyway. The, the movie industry, like, the people making these sort of decisions are trying to appeal to the widest possible audience. Not the <sighs> smartest possible audience. No, it's not about being smart. It's just about, like... Choosing the path less traveled. Well, I, 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 I got to be honest with you. In this movie, it's an excuse to show off exotic locales. Yeah, because uh, this okay. is because like a Bond movie, and <laughs> wow, it's something I'm going to repeat again and again and again. <laughs> um, they travel everywhere. Ah, oh, gotcha. Yeah. So he decides he won't take the shot, despite the guy from the CIA being very insistent. That's what to do, mm-hmm. and he instead. Decides to run after the target while the handler he's with pulls the fire alarm on the building. Is there any sweet parkour in this movie? Are you kidding me? Absolutely there's some sweet parkour in this movie. Good. Good, good, good. They have a sweet parkour chase. (laughs) And they finally end up on a barge in the middle of a body of water where they are shooting off fireworks. So all these fireworks are going off around him while... Sierra Six and this mystery bad guy are duking it out. Did they forget their? Oh, oh! The people on the barge are shooting fireworks. They they didn't lose their the guns. Fireworks and turn appear to, to be fireworks. automated. There are no other people yeah. on board. What? Yes. They set this up and they were like, "We better get out of here. This is exactly the kind of fight, place a fight's going to break out." <laughs> okay. So they have a good fight. And Sierra Six wins because it's very early in the movie and the hero is not going to die this early into the movie. And as the other guy is dying, he's like, they, you, you don't even know what they're making you do. You know about the Sierra program? I'm Sierra Four. And then he hands him a gold medallion containing a USB drive and dies. <laughs> Avenge a gold me. gold medallion containing a USB drive. I mean, it honestly, it it may as well have just been, and here's a cursed amulet that people will choose yeah. you because of now. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I thought of. It's yeah. like, you know, now you it, have the black it spot. It like the gold coins from Pirates of the Caribbean You've been hunted by the Kraken. Yeah. Oh, the the Kraken is going to chase this guy down now for sure. Well, he never mm. steps into the ocean, so that's maybe why he survives that. Anyway, mm. he, he finishes the job, and the CIA you know, headquarters, they realize, oh, shit. The medallion 
that was we knew was the thing the USB drive was in, even though we didn't tell the guy, is missing now. It wasn't on the body like it was supposed to be. Right. And so they called him up. They're like, uh, hey, did you happen to maybe, I don't know, steal some jewelry? It's no big deal, but we would like it back. Please don't be suspicious of us. <laughs> and uh, Fry, I wish you wrote the dialogue for these movies because we would know immediately what we were getting into. Yeah. That was amazing. That was, I loved it. That would annihilate. Please don't be suspicious of us. Uh, strangely, despite those explicit instructions, Sierra 6 is suspicious <laughs> of them and lies to them. Well, he sounds like an asshole. I'm on the CIA's side. What a jerk. Now, the casting, why they got these people. Because they only picked very gifted thespians to yeah. act in their whatever the hell this is. So you've got Ryan Gosling as Sierra Six. You've got Anna de Armas as his kind of handler. Oh, a yeah. podcast favorite returns. Yeah. Yes. Oof. And then Billy Bob. Well, uh, you're also forgetting well, Chris we, Evans. Well, we haven't got to him to yet. In. We're about to bring in Chris Evans. So the CIA is like, ah, shit. We, we got to get this guy. And he was already one of our super secret Sierra guys. We can't just call <laughs> another one. Yes. We got to get someone even better than a Sierra guy. So they bring in a private contractor. Because <laughs> when you can't get it done in-house, you bring in the right private contractor. This episode brought to you by Blackwater. This this is a, one Mr. Lloyd Hansen, who is played by Chris Evans with a mustache. <laughs> wait, wait, uh, is it a real mustache or did they just oomph, unclear? Get on there? Yeah, mm. never answered, but he is credited as Chris Evans with a mustache. Oh, no, that seems unlikely. It, it if you can't tell, then they did a good job either way. Uh, so Chris Evans with a mustache had been in the CIA. And then they had to let him go uh, on account of he was too crazy about torture to work for the CIA, an organization which has admitted to in the past and certainly will again in the future torture people. So they let him go and then they hired him as an external contractor. Yeah, because now he's not one of their own, so they can't get in trouble for what he does. James, that, uh, oh. I am sure that no one sitting in this podcast has ever had exactly that experience with any company ever. I haven't, but I assume you have. <clears throat> hey, we're going to let you go. Hey, remember that? Th- we need, yeah. Come on back. The, the, Russ, the phrase is, uh, hey, we're going to let you go. And then and then a week later, we covet your knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> That's we didn't think your knowledge would leave with you. Yeah. We thought your expertise would say, but then we wouldn't have to pay you anymore. Enter Chris <laughs> Evans with a mustache. Yeah. All right. And so okay. Chris Evans comes in. He's like, ah, you need someone really tortured? I'm your guy. <laughs> he's looking at the situation. He's like, all right, we got to bring this guy in. How do we do this? Well, he was recruited by Billy Bob Thornton. Wait, Let's... wait, I have a question. Yeah. But they don't have to bring him in. They just need to recover the cursed medallion. Correct. Yes, Thank which you. he has. Okay, and so they, they don't have to bring him in. they it very deeply. They could shoot him through the head from half a mile away and just pick the medallion up with a magnet from a helicopter and leave. They would like to not do that. magnets work that way, but sure. You know what I mean. Imagining you know. this massive magnet that's pulling on all the metal. You the know what I mean. And fillings are flying, flying out of their heads. <laughs> As though the helicopter wouldn't just be crushed towards the ground instantly. No, 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 no. Helicopters are very strong. Anyway, what are you saying? <laughs> so he decides, you know what? The way to do this is we're going to kidnap Fitzroy's daughter. 
So, you know, when you can't find an adult man to kill, you kidnap an 11-year-old child. Yeah, and then you beat him up real good because yeah. to show the audience you're a villain. They kidnap her and then they, they capture Fitzroy and they're like, hey, we know you're in contact with Sierra 6. We know you tried to help him get out of Bangkok. Uh-huh. Here's, we're going to offer you a pretty sweet deal. You get him killed for us and your daughter continues to live for a while. Turns out that's really all you got to do for Fitzroy. And he's like, yeah, done, sold. So by this time, Sierra 6 is on a plane, is making his escape from Bangkok. So this is after a point where they said, you need to give us the cursed medallion. And he said, no. Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. So he's escaped. He's trying to run from the CIA. Indeed. Okay. And so he's, he's on a plane that his, his former mentor, who's no longer with the CIA, arranged for him to get out of. It's definitely still a military plane. The guy definitely has some interesting connections. And after news of the daughter being kidnapped comes across, they wind up calling the, the plane and they're like, hey, just go ahead and kill him. We don't need him alive after all. And also, could you yeah. grab that medallion he has? That'd be great. Yeah, that's yes. OK. And I believe there were six mercenaries on that plane. And by the end of that fight, there were no mercenaries and no plane. <laughs> <laughs> does it crash in a populated area or does it hit the ocean or what's going on i don't think we follow it all the way down actually. hi desert know. yeah ah he jumps out he grabs a parachute from somewhere actually he uh he fights a guy <laughs> he dives down on top of a guy who has a parachute <laughs> beats him up and takes his parachute how could Perfect. i forget that total cia move right there the this CIA is a, called a parachute tight. swap. It's a great trick uh, if you're uh, about to die from a plane fall. Yeah. All right, now, undercover agents, you're about to learn the Rinzaduke. <laughs> what is that, Russ? <laughs> That's, what is, is it uh, a Battlefield or Call of Duty? I can't remember, but it's, it's the move where you're flying a jet and you jump out of the jet and you fire your rocket launcher at an enemy jet and then you fall back into the jet. <laughs> yeah that's a call of duty thing i love that that has to be a call of duty thing yeah so you know we destroy a plane he jumps out he, he steals a parachute he's he's fine hmm. uh, but now he knows ah shit now i don't have anyone i can call on for help who does anadarmus play in this movie the kind yeah, of his handler, handler a little bit yeah. okay I, I was like i better not be the daughter <laughs> like this is... <laughs> okay right. she's about to show back up and mm-hmm. She's going to capture him. And cool. as you do when you capture somebody, you throw him in the back of the trunk, tie him up. Uh, but it's a really small hatchback. So it's kind of like if I did that in my Fiat, like they're still just face to face talking. He's just uncomfortable. <laughs> Which just a great moment. Like I'm glad they filmed it that way. Yeah. It's like I could have just ridden in the back. So she didn't really have a trunk. She just put him in the back storage space. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, it's not really a trunk because it's not separated from the vehicle. Not in any way, shape, or form. Mm, Fantastic. He convinces her to take them to another former mentor of his, Margaret Cahill. She was another, like, former CIA lead. She got forced out by the current lead, Carmichael who was also the one who forced out Fitzroy. These are really the three in the power struggle here. Yeah, I think we can all assume that he's evil. Yeah, he's the evil one. I want to point out this actress. This is Alfred Woodard, and my wife could not place where she knew her from, and the answer that you're all looking for is Star Trek First Contact. Oh, yes. And so they're there for about five minutes, and you know what that means? We got to break out a fight. 
Perfect. So Lloyd has somehow established where they were and sent some people to fight them in, in that amount of time. <laughs> you know, he's, he's really good, so it's fine. We don't have to question it any more than that. And so they have a big fight, and it ends with her blowing herself up to buy time for the rest of them to escape and to kill the guys chasing them. I love how they always have to blow themselves up. Like, they couldn't just activate a bomb or put a timer on it or put a big long fuse on it. I love how it's always like, heroic sacrifice, go, boom. Well, to give you a little bit of a peek of view of what's coming next, Another person is going to do the same thing this movie. <laughs> That's right. Two of his mentors are going to blow them up to give him time. So they get These out. Are some loyal-ass mentors for being in the CIA. These like. are, re- like, apparently there's just a ton of loyalty among spies. I did not know this. <laughs> it, it should also be pointed out that after Billy Bob Thornton's character betrays Ryan Gosling's character, he doesn't fault him for a second. Yeah. Really? I, yeah, well, he, he gets a chance to tell them, like, yeah, they have my daughter. And we, we get a little flashback here. There was some, some interesting character development. It doesn't necessarily fit in well with the plot, but it explains <laughs> why this is happening. Right. Apparently, he spent, like, a summer as her bodyguard while, while after Fitzroy's info had been leaked to... Wait, 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 hold on. So, so Gosling spent a summer as, as his own daughter's bodyguard? No, as Fitzroy's daughter's bodyguard. Gosling does oh, not have Gosling has oh, no Oh, sorry, daughters. I got confused. Okay. So he spent a summer as her bodyguard, which means two things. One, he's basically her family. Once you've spent a summer with someone, you are family with them. Nope, that's not what that means. Go ahead. And secondly, he knows, but Lloyd Henson doesn't, that her heart has a pacemaker in it. And as I assume all pacemakers are, this is also a GPS device that can be used to track her. And in this movie, I assume it's also a bomb. No, no, the the heart does not explode. You can't prove to me that it's not a bomb. They're saving that for the sequel. Exactly. I'm 100% sure you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Pacemakers, now with Find My Phone. Yeah. Oh, God. So they figure out where he is, but they also realize they need to get the stolen USB drive back. Because, oh, surprise, he hasn't had it with them for a while. He mailed it to a security agency contact from the UK who's now living in Prague. So, so off to means, Prague! So we gotta go to Prague and have us, uh, have us a gunfight in the middle of Prague, goddammit. Hey Fry, how long do the characters spend traveling in the movie? Do you mean how long of screen time or like how long in the timeline of the movie? Yes. Well, I, I would assume, based on how the movie goes, that airplanes in this near future are instantaneous. There are no planes. There are teleporters. This movie solves that marine knot for you, George R.R. Yeah. They, they just, they just where they need to be, whenever they need to be there. There's one plane, but it gets quickly destroyed, and he's like, I better not get in another plane. Well, yeah, they can't get in planes. They'll be instantly blown up. Yeah, we, all we the saw what happened last time. Well, the explosions constantly follow these people, clearly. It does seem to be the case. Which, unfortunately, now they're in the middle of Prague. And <laughs> this is one of my favorite gunfight battles that I've ever seen committed to film. But you have seen John Wick. I have, I have. And this this is beyond that. It's, it's <laughs> not the same vibe. It's I a assume. little bit of a different vibe. So, okay. And you've also seen Hot Fuzz for the other it's side. It's a little bit of a different vibe from that, too. 
Okay. We're, we're threading the needle here. I'm listening. So Ryan Gosling is handcuffed to a stone bench in the middle of a park with no cover in Prague. Oh my God. I think I saw the trailer for this on Netflix. And there is a 15 minute gun battle. It's 15 minutes long. I'm, I'm probably exaggerating that. but it's, <laughs> it's a fairly long gun battle for someone to be handcuffed to a bench the whole time. And I am pre- pretty sure a hundred people died all around him. Because you get all these different mercenary teens trying to get the bounty on his head. At some point, I guess there's a system where you can put bounties on people's heads. It's never discussed. Right. And also, the Czech police, who are woefully underarmed compared to these American uh, paramilitaries, are still doing their best to say, hey, please don't shoot in the middle of our city, thanks. Yeah, I mean, that seems reasonable. And so you, you get these this first responders of the Czech police are basically driving, like, mini SUVs that just get riddled with bullets immediately upon getting anywhere near the area. It takes them a while. They do eventually get some SWAT people out there and some people with uh, riot shields to try to make the fight a little bit more fair. But it is a comically long fight for Ryan Gosling, who is their target to be handcuffed in the middle of a park. And the best part is, so Chris Evans is watching all this on the body cam and he is just as angry about this as I am. Just watching his own guys, like, mess around killing all the cops in the area instead of any one of them going to kill the target they're they're there for. It's a shame he didn't have a radio instead of just a body cam, and he could have ordered them to do their job. Um, It's unclear. Like, he yells at a bunch, but no one seems to listen. now, Now, remember, these are covert operatives. Oh, yeah. No, we're well past that. This I, thank I, you, Russ. I believe part of a building gets destroyed at the end of this sequence. Oh yeah. Wait, wait, but, hold on, wait, 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 hold on. What kind of arsenal are we talking about here? These guys trying to kill a guy to up to and including anti-aircraft cannons. Jesus Christ! Yeah, there's some rocket launchers. We've got some grenade launchers. Wait, got... they have a grenade? They have lots of grenades. There's, there are lots of grenades. He's behind a park bench. Well, it is a stone park bench. No, not not. If they have a grenade. He's a dead man. So I so never finally mind. one person does catch him at the end of all of this, mm-hmm. and it is wait wait hold on a sec. How did he get handcuffed to a park bench? It sets the up cops the put him there. What? That's not how cops do. They did. It, it, the Czech police force works <laughs> okay. differently than in the U.S. Not Stop looking at things from your U.S. I love that we just said the words they used anti-aircraft cannons in a foot pursuit and you're hung up on how did the handcuffs get there? I was just curious about <laughs> why he was handcuffed to a bench. Because it said so bench. in the script. All right. I was just curious, man. Like, you know, there's a lot. I have a lot of questions about this movie. That and none might not will be, be the answered. most relevant one. Yeah. All right. Fry, I, please continue. From here, that you you can kind of see how this movie's going to work. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Can you? Are you sure about that, Fry? Can yeah. you see where we're headed? Yeah. <laughs> he's going to save the girl. He's going to he's going to rescue people. It, he's uh, going to blow up Billy all Gordon's the quote unquote bad people. In, in Act Three, Doctor Strange makes an appearance. The Hulk throws a train at somebody. <laughs> I was surprised that they introduced time travel so late in the movie, but in a way, they had introduced it the whole time. 
The okay. uh, one thing I, I do want to mention, just as, as something that I thought was pretty cool in the in the last act, there's one one particular of the mercenaries who stands out. He's the one who's able to capture Sierra Six and bring him in. Yeah, and he is called. His code name is Lone Wolf. <laughs> That's the shittiest code name I've ever heard. It's like your fucking Call of Duty gamer tag, Katana XX. <laughs> And he is he is played by a, a Tamil actor who goes by the name Danush. Okay. And I just he was fucking fantastic. He has like a bunch of cool fight scenes and he, he manages to look very stylish but very tough in all of it. And I If only they had given him a cool nickname, XX yeah. underscore lone wolf underscore sixty nine four twenty underscore XX. I, I, I hope he gets to show up in some more Hollywood action movies because I, I thought he was pretty cool. Cool. But I don't know if he even wants to because he's been a star in Bollywood for actual decades. Yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> what are they? okay, cool beans. Russ, would you philosophize us about this incredibly philosophically deep film? The Gray Man. This flick debuted as the number one streaming movie on Netflix in 92 countries. <laughs> the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is 91. Wow. The critic score is 46. <laughs> and we've talked about it on this podcast before. I love it when I get to see what happens when critics and viewers disagree this much. So I started looking into that phenomenon, and I found a uh, film data researcher named Stephen Follows who published a mass correlation of Metascores and IMDb user scores for 10,449 movies from between 2000 and 2019. Oh. And he found some interesting things. And first, there is a strong correlation between the average scores of critics and film audiences. So we tend to agree on movies. However... There has been a desynchronization taking place over the last two decades. So the question is why? As with anything, it's a complicated answer. One thing should be posited right now it's way easier to make a movie than it ever has been before. Right. Like a lot of equipment that was previously. You can have entire movies filmed on iPhones if you want to. And so you have films that have strange filming tactics or way lower budgets than normal that end up as mainstream releases. Also, a larger percentage of movies in cinemas are in genres that audiences and critics traditionally disagree about. Like action, thriller, sci-fi movies. These always score higher with audiences than they do critics. Right. Historical films, documentaries, biopics, these often trend towards critics. Now, you could also say that the uh, that IMDb users aren't the public as such, because you have to be a little bit of a cinephile to even have an IMDb account, but, you know, that aside. This movie is a direct copy of fill-in-the-blank. John Wick, James Bond, <laughs> Mission Impossible, The Fast and the Furious. But who cares? Those movies are stupid and fun, and so is this one. And if you told me that Ryan Gosling is the new James Bond, and this is the first new James Bond movie starring Ryan Gosling as James Bond, 
it's exactly the same movie. 100%. Yeah. And movie critics have a job to do, and that job isn't go to the theater and turn off your brain. They have to, like, here's the film influences, here's symbolism, here's deeper meaning. And oftentimes, that's what the public would never do. If I'm laughing at Ryan Gosling surviving another closed head injury, (laughs) then I'm not thinking about my job or whatever the new pandemic is. Pablo Picasso once said, Lesser artists borrow, great artists steal. But that doesn't, pun intended, paint the whole picture. This line might be a lift from T.S. Eliot, who said, Immature poets imitate, mature poets steal, and bad poets deface what they take. And good poets make it into something better, or at least something different. The good poet welds his theft into a whole of feeling, which is unique and utterly different than that from which it is torn. They say what makes an artist great is an instantly memorable style, a style that is associated with them and no one else. It's like if you're walking around a modern art museum and you hear someone say something to the effect of, well, I could do that, and of course the response is, but you didn't. Right. Can you make a pumpkin covered in polka dots? Well, maybe, but you didn't, and Yayoi Kusama did, and only she could have. So, does this movie do that? Does it effectively weld its theft? That's up to you. <laughs> and that's the audience score. I could make the argument, John Wick doesn't have a whole lot of hypertrain crashes. This movie isn't original. This movie also isn't boring. It's ridiculous and loud, and for me it becomes a whole lot more fun if you just pretend that Ryan Gosling is playing the replicant from Blade Runner 2049. (laughs) Because that is the only way he survives even one of his injuries in this movie. (laughs) Yeah, at one point in the movie I thought he broke his leg and then he just kind of shrugged it off. I'm not, in principle, against that sort of thing, and I would submit to you hard-boiled where a man is shot in the stomach and moments later just walks away with a gun pointed at the bad guys. I will submit a question to both of you, and whoever wants to answer can. I'm on the fence on this one, but I feel like there's maybe a slight obligation, a slight one, don't get cocky, for me to watch this movie, because I have said in the past... If there's an action movie, I want action, action, action. This is clearly not a thriller. Let's throw this away. This is an action film. There's no (laughs) tension. We know who's going to win. We know who the bad guys are. There's no tension in this film. Fry. Yeah. Actually, I say Fry, but both of you, really. Russ and Fry, how nonstop is this action? There's connective tissue. There's punctuation between the fights. Mm -hmm. But it's it's just that. It's It's the punctuation holding the movie together. The fights, I would say, are most of it. If you had to give it a percentage value. 60-40 fights. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe even 65. Like, it leans heavily towards fights. Hmm. It's also one of those movies where no matter what your position is, you know how to fight, strangely. Yes. Right. It's like, I'm a CIA analyst. A CIA analyst is a guy who looks like us. Like, he rides a desk all day long, but these guys, they're all trained in Krav Maga for some reason. Okay. I guess the really, the only real problem I have, I mean, I have a lot of problems but with this movie, <laughs> but not, you know, that's going to necessarily prevent me watching it. But the big problem is it's not a thriller. It's an action movie. It's not a, 
it doesn't it doesn't sound like there's any tension in this movie ever so, at all. So so here's the thing of it. This is this is part of the fun of this podcast and why I enjoy yeah. it so much. Because none of us know what we're dealing with going in. Right, exactly. And so our job is to convince you to watch a movie. And so when it comes to, hey, let's find a thriller to watch, all we can go on is like Metacritic and IMDb. That is yeah. true. That is yeah. true. The, the first sentence of the Wikipedia article begins, The Gray Man is a 2022 American action thriller film, blah, blah, blah. And so while the impetus is on you to ask the right questions, we also have to do due diligence. And <laughs> sometimes you end, out, you end up on weird ends of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, it's a wide spectrum. Calling it an action thriller is interesting. I, I think here's what I'm going to do, boys. I'm going to watch this one. Because it does sound fun and stupid, not, I, I can go for that. But if it's not a thriller, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure to mention if for me personally it doesn't fall within the bounds. As you said, there are ranges to a genre. Now, now here's a question for you because when I think of thriller, if you told me Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which we mentioned earlier, is a thriller, I would say yes. Yeah. If you told me it's a spy movie, I would say yes. If you told me it's a drama. I would say yes. Yes. And so, like, when it comes to thriller, a couple of months ago I watched The Night House. The Night House was classified as a suspense thriller, but it wasn't that. It was mm. a ghost story, right. in, in my estimation. When it comes to thriller, it's kind of like calling something a drama. You know, Wide I umbrella. guess that's fair. I think we all have definitions in our head, right, about what we think it is. My definition of a thriller is something with a lot of tension, but and th what separates it from horror is it must not be a supernatural cause hmm. because otherwise it's just a horror movie. Hmm. Okay. And I don't know if that's and, right. And but that's I just would what classify that as suspense. Uh, well, do they have a category like that on the wheel? I don't know. We, we've hmm. used a few wheels. Well, do, speaking do, of the so, wheel. So here's the thing. Why don't you watch Gray Man and then next week we'll do a suspense Oh, we could, there we you could go. do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Should we leave it to the wisdom of the wheel? <laughs> no, I, I think I think Russ is on to something here. Okay, let's let's do right, a suspense sure. movie, and then we'll have a great compare and contrast session. I don't think there will be any comparison. Even the worst suspense movie is not going to be 45 minutes of explosions and like 35 minutes of peop of important people talking really fast to each other. Boy, I hope we find a suspense movie that has a lot of explosions. The, the, <laughs> Fry, I'm not sure suspense is your genre, man. No, I just I just enjoy a good movie with explosions. I can watch a movie that doesn't have explosions. Well, no, I was saying for the same reason you don't like horror, you might not care for this. But anyway, you said it, so that's what we're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone have any recommendations they would like to share with the listeners today? The Art Gallery of Ontario. Oh? That is a, that is a theme park for anyone. Awesome. Fry? No, you look. No, you're good. Okay. No, I, I can't think of anything. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Cool beans. I can also think of nothing. So th wait. No, we don't need to spin the wheel because we did that. I feel like we're. I'm forgetting something. Are we good? Yep. Sorted. Oh my god. I'm oh, did you remember to hit record? I did. Thank okay, you, that's good. Well, in that case, thank you everyone for listening to Hey James. Watch this. Have a great day. Don't drink bleach.